besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. May this be to us the word of the Lord. Happy New Year! (laughs) And welcome to the Lectio Cascadia podcast. My name is Brandon Rhodes, and I'm glad you're here. Today has some new music it, uh, today because today marks the recycling of the calendar used by many of those in the Jesus tradition for centuries, an alternative way of marking time. Uh, this alternative way of keeping time begins this Sunday, December 1st. So uh, yeah, happy new year. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so thank you. For this special Advent music to listener Brock. Now, ask Brock if he'd like to wheel his musical prowess on incompetech.com and find where there's this royalty free music I use for these liturgical seasons. And maybe he could find a song that'd be good for Advent. And he said, Hell, I'll write something for you. Uh, just give me three adjectives. And I did. And he did. So, thank you, Brock. Uh, you can find him on the interwebs uh, at at Brockmon. That's B Rock Mon Mon like Monday, without the day. <laughs> Brockmon. Uh, thank you, listener Brock, for this Advent music. And thank you to Maker's Mark for the bourbon I'm sipping this evening. It's an evening recording and production because it is. Thanksgiving week. Yeah, so today's reading is our first for the season. Uh, This first season of the church calendar, Advent. That's the first season of the the, uh, church calendar. And Advent is a time of preparation for both initially the birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago and layered right on top of that, woven in among the readings and the feelings is anticipating the fullness of Jesus's animating presence in all places in what the church came to call the second coming or the second advent of the Christ. I find it helpful to remember this context when hearing this excerpt from Paul's, uh, I gotta say, top shelf letter to the Jesus organizers in Rome. Um, Not just its spot in the letter, that's a good context to understand, but really here today on New Year's Day, uh, as part of a flow of holding the sacred together with anticipation in mind, longing in mind, being in darkness and longing for the arrival and unveiling of all of goodness. Joining the ancients in their anticipation of Creator's action 2,000 years ago, and in everyday sense in anticipating the fullness of divine light 
that is yet unfolding. This context really makes uh, the language of this letter pop. Besides this, you know what time it is. Paul is telling folks, like, you know something potent has happened in Jesus, and the fullness of that is on its way. Elsewhere, he insinuates that the cosmos is groaning as in childbirth, almost as if the universe, the land itself, every land is heavy with child, with divinity. We know that the next stage is universal unfolding. Uh, We know that the next stage in universal unfolding in human consciousness is upon us because of this Jesus story, this Jesus event. Something uncanny, uncanny has been loosed. And the fact that you know that, and this gets us to the flow of the letter, the fact that you know what time it is means get your shit together. <laughs> Live as if the day is already here. Stop it with your nighttime jackassery. Get on your boots for the day ahead. You are children of the light. That's a fascinating window into how ethics work in the Jesus tradition. Yeah, ethics. I don't really use that word often because it use it it invokes rules it invokes um almost a win lose but in this story love has already won and see there's no rules here there's no clear obedience that we're called to Only participation. Participation. In the reality of the light. Of the day. Of the Christ. Pierre Teilhard de Chardin calls it Christogenesis. (laughs) I love it. Google that word. It's so cool. The divine participating in our reality and creating something new In this reality, it is the birth of something more. Cosmogenesis, biogenesis, androgenesis, Christogenesis. So that's the divine participating in our reality and us participating in divinity. That sounds really strange, particularly if you grew up in um, the branch of the Jesus movement called Protestantism. Um, but hear, hear me out here. Like, this is just a few more pages in the library, and you get uh, this really great line from another early organizer of the Jesus movement, uh, a guy who went on to become the first, well, pope, the first bishop in Rome, the first chief organizer of the movement in Rome, um, actually describing all of us as partakers in the divine life. Wow. Uh, and that, so ethics is about that. It's not about how to be sinless, although that's nice. It's not about um, coloring in the lines and not breaking the rules. It's about participation. 
What it means to be human together really flows out of participation in the divine, which means to understand what it means to be human ultimately means you have to understand what it means to be divine. Properly understanding the inner life of the holy, that's how we get going. Theology, the, the, the study of the divine, is the starting point for anthropology or ethics what it is to be human. It's why the idea that Jesus was, as we read in last week's ex excerpts, all the fullness of deity bodily dwelling. That matters a lot, because it means we have a reference point for what the divine is like in the flesh. If the divine was going to be a human, this is the kind of thing it would be like. Jesus. Like, you want to know what human destiny, human ethics is like? You want to, it's nighttime now, but you want to know what the day is like? Look to Jesus. You can't really look to the divine. That's hard to pull off. A lot of arguments about what that is. Can't do it too easily. <laughs> but you can't look to Jesus. This all has a very satisfying click to me when held in the flow of the story that the Jesus, the early Jesus movement held for the universe. See, for them, the story of the cosmos was that we were in an old dark age, consigned to death and evil and futility. What comes next and how do we get there? Who the hell knows? Human destiny, cosmic destiny is unclear. But God's new age, what they called the age to come, was upon us all in Jesus, and we share in that divine age, that age to come now, the life of that age to come. That's literally what the Jesus tradition means by eternal life. Not living forever, but the life of an era of the cosmos soaked in Christ-like divinity. See how this loops together? That's the day that we get to begin living as if we were here, is as if it were here fully. Jesus was like a sneak peek, and the life of that uh, that was fully in him, we live into together today. Yeah, that's the story that holds us all. And that helps me understand why Paul like pivots naturally right into things to let go of to run fully into the day. Because who needs revelry when this gives cause to celebrate? Who needs drunkenness when the divine banquet table of the cosmos stacked with all the wrong people left behind by the empire is already among us, and set with loads of wine? Who needs the nihilism of debauchery and licentiousness when we are freed into the carnal joy of divinity taking on our flesh? Who needs quarreling when the Holy One is making all things one, all things reconciled, all violence brought to an end through the Christ and giving us a sneak peek 
in this movement, this Christ movement? Who needs jealousy when we have been given the divine life itself? May your week ahead be filled with curiosity and wonder, gratitude and laughter, courage and presence. And may the peace of Christ be with you. 